Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Welcome to Foothills Christian Church, especially all of you joining us online at Church or Home or maybe watching at a later date. The one blessing of being here on campus that I welcome all of you is that you get to see the amazing little dance moves uh, while the bump is playing. So if you don't know me, uh, my name is Douglas Peak. If you've been here for the last six weeks or you visited, uh, it's because I've been off celebrating 25 years of ministry here at Foothills Christian Church. And so we just want to make sure that you feel welcome, that you are invited to be a part of who we are as a community of faith. And I also like to say, if you just moved here from out of state, we want one place here in the Treasure Valley that says, we are glad you're here. You're welcome. So we are a church. We are a national church, meaning we're not a part of a a denominational group. We're an independent local church, and that means that we are a part of this church that Jesus Christ started 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. In Matthew, uh, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and it is growing dynamically across the globe right now, and we are a part of that, and so we're glad that you can be a part of it as well. And we're in a series called Get Up and Go. And the series is to spend the whole summer just doing practical things that you can do to get parts of your life running again. Because COVID came in, shut everything down, and what happened is once things started opening it up, some people kind of just stayed shut down. And so it's been a summer of encouragement to just do some practical things, get up, get going, start living together, because not every other, not every year of your life should be in the status quo shutdown. And today's theme in particular is called Run to Win. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to turn your Bibles there, you can also pull up our phone app. And all the notes to this message will be there under the Sunday button, message notes. Now, in this series, you know, uh, the Olympics are happening, which is kind of interesting because we are having the 2020 Olympics in 2021. Now, you all know some of the famous athletes and the famous winners and things like that. I like the less kind of uh, uh, stories that are being told. And I want you to meet this lady right here. And her name is Amber English, and she won a gold medal. And we're very proud of her and her endeavor. What she wanted in is she wanted in skeet shooting. So she's shooting a gun. That's pretty cool. But the, her story that is so remarkable to me is this, is she is a first lieutenant in the Army. She is serving full-time in the military. And while she is serving our country, she was also training for the Olympics in skeet shooting, and she then competed and won the gold medal. I thought, what a great story that is, because in a lot of ways, her story reflects our story. And that is, each and every one of us, we're living in this world, right? We're serving full time. I don't know about you, but it's full time, trying to put food on the table, manage your career, your company, your business, whatever's going on. You got family. You got relationships. 
you've got that you're managing, you're dealing, you're investing in. You probably you're living somewhere. And I'll tell you what, home ownership can be awesome, but boy, it effort to keep that thing up and running. So you got kids, you got friends, you got family, you got jobs and careers, and then our health, you know, we've got to take care of that. We've got all of these things that we are full-time engaged in. But we are also training to compete for something so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And that's what we are going to talk about today. And that is Paul's admonition to us in our faith to always run. So when we come to know Christ in a personal way, and if you're not there yet, that's fine. You can kind of listen and, and hear one of the benefits and the beauty of what it means to know Him personally is we are daily challenged to not only live in this world full time, but also train to run to win. And what does that mean? Were we to win spiritually? Well, first and foremost, many, many people will come to know Jesus because of a really difficult time in their life. Something happens in our lives that kind of strips back just the uh, kind of the shallowness or the emptiness of just what's going on in this world. And so we run into a hard time. We think we need something deeper, something that answers more important questions. Maybe you come to a point in your life where you realize some really bad things happened to you and you need to heal from those. Maybe uh, you were raised in a situation that created some, some toxic thoughts or attitudes. Be freed from those. So people come to Jesus, and Jesus says, when it comes to your healing, when it comes to your wholeness, when it comes to overcoming brokenness, guess what? We're going to run to win. Following me is not about living with the status quo, kind of just throwing it in, you know, well, I'm just in relaxed mode. No, when it comes to your healing, when it comes to your wholeness, when it comes to, to, to being complete in Christ, we're all in. We're running to win. There are people out there that are living right now who wonder what their direction in life is. They're wondering what, where they should go, what, what, what are the things and values they should be pursuing in life. Well, when it comes to your direction and your purpose in life, Jesus says, we're running to win. We're not going to settle for the status quo. We're not going to settle for confusion. If you're confused over your purpose, if you're confused over direction in life, well, we're going to work that out. We're going to figure it out because we're running to win here. Status quo doesn't work. You know, when COVID hit, I don't know about you, but when I first heard, you know, when they first came out and they said, okay, we're going to have to go into quarantine. Guess what? We're locking it down. We got this pandemic, you know, it's sweeping the globe. I just got to put that. I said, man, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. I mean, this is biblical. This is revelation apocalypse stuff here, right? I'm going, we're all going to die, you know. I need to start digging a hole in my backyard so I can bury my container and start putting my dry goods in there, you know. I'm prepared. It's going to be a total wipeout. I was talking to God about this, and he's like, oh, really? Really? So I got to thinking about that, and I go, hmm. Maybe instead of being really afraid, because bad things happen all the time, but instead of being afraid of them, maybe I should listen to what God is calling me to do in the midst of them. And so our motto in our church came, look, we're going to be a part of the problem, but we're going to do everything we can. Do all you can. That was our motto to get through it. Boy, was that a blessing from God. You know what's so interesting? How many people continue to live in fear 
or they lack confidence or they're insecure. If you're a follower of Christ, you know what? Jesus says, we're going to run to win. We're going to run to win because a lack of confidence, a lack of courage, man, we are going to work on that until you're winning there. When it comes to ministry, when it comes to serving others, when it comes to understanding your unique gifts that God has placed within you spiritually, they're called spiritual gifts, designed to bless other people, bless His kingdom, and grow the kingdom of God, we're not going to settle for confusion, lack of effort. We're not going to settle for a lack of a, a, a application or execution of these gifts. We're going to run to win. We're going to run until you know what it is, what you can do. You're in your lane. You're giving it. and God is blessing you. That's what we're going to do. We are going to run to win. And so today, I want you to see exactly where Paul teaches this principle, and we're going to dig into it. So let's turn to our Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And it starts with verse 24. And before I read it, I just want to share real quick, and that is that uh, my son has preached the last couple weeks. And uh, I was listening to him, and he said that he was a younger and better-looking version of me. (laughs) All I know is he preached in shorts. I I cannot pull that off. (laughs) That would be way too distracting. So, But he... He looked for you. But uh, some truths, you know, are hard to accept, but they're still true. Uh, He's been in 1 Corinthians, and if you're not really familiar with the Bible, and I know a lot of people uh, are just kind of starting a journey of faith and stuff, and so I like to always, I want you to understand the Bible is that the Bible is a library of books. There's 66 different books, so it's a library. So if you were looking at a bookcase, 66 books up there, and it's broken into two main sections. You have an Old Testament and you have a New Testament. And the Old Testament library of books uh, covers a period of time all the way up to 400 years before Jesus was born. So the last book in the Old Testament is a 400-year gap before you read the New Testament. Now, the New Testament has 27 books in it, and there's only basically three sections. The first four books are biographies on the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they call them Gospels, which is like biography on or the story of Jesus. And then there is the fifth book called the Book of Acts, Acts according to the Apostles. That is a book of history, and it covers the resurrection of Jesus and the birth of the church. That's where it starts. And then for the next 30 years, how all these new followers of Jesus through the teaching of the apostles went out to all these different towns and started churches. And every other book after the book of Acts, except for the apocalypse or the book of Revelation, is a letter written to those different towns. And that's why they have all those weird names, you know, Ephesians, Corinthians, Philippians. Those were actually the names of towns where these churches were started. So Corinth was a town. It's in modern-day Greece, and it's right uh, uh, kind of uh, on the, uh, where the Peloponnesian Wars took place. There's this little isthmus there, and it was set right there in this little tiny spot. And it was kind of a cosmopolitan city because there was a tremendous amount of trade that ran through it. And so they got two letters because they needed a lot of practical instruction. And this is one of the things that they were written to that Paul wrote to them, beginning with verse 24. So let's dig into this. Do you not know that those are all who are in a race, all the runners run, but only one 
gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Verse 25. Now, everyone who competes in the games goes into really strict training. They do it to get a crown that is perishable or will not last. So they're talking about an earthly reward. He says, but we, and this is what really important, this phrase, but we do it. Well, what is it that we're doing? Well, we are in strict training so that we can get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, therefore, I run, he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, like I don't know where I am going. And I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. But, and this sounds really strange, he says, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Now, that sounds really strange. We'll dig into that in a moment. He goes, so that after I have preached, after I have preached to other people, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to dig into a little bit of why he said what he said in the way that he did it. So the first thing is this. Why does he say, run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, this is very important. He says, do you not know when everyone competes, everybody, you know, is in the race, but only one gets the prize. And then he says, for all of us who are trying to follow Christ, we should, in our spiritual lives, run in a way to get the prize. Uh, win, so to speak. Why does he say that? Well, because the potential to make no effort in your spiritual growth exists. The potential to make no ever exists. I mean, just think of, uh, let's take that 100-meter uh, dash, you know. What a race that is, you know. People get up there on the block, the gun goes off, and they go storming down there, you know. And they do all these heats that you have to compete in and get a time to advance and advance and advance so you get to the medal round. What we always see is the medal round. But could you imagine very early on, you know, the top runners are running, you know, that in 10 seconds or under 10 seconds, somewhere in there. Could you imagine if you're the guy from Eritrea that runs the 100-yard meter dash in about 21, 22 seconds? So he shows up and he's like, man, I'm feeling good today because I'm in the Olympics. I'm happy. Now, if you're from Eritrea, I just want you to know this is a random selection and not intended to offend anybody from Eritrea. But could you imagine if that guy showed up and said, man, I'm just checking out my swag. Look at this Olympic swag I got on, and I got all these shoes. These things are so cool, you know. Man, I, he's got, the, he's got the, all the lanyard with the 500 different cards on it. Like, how in the world does that do any difference, you know? You go up for security, and they're like, okay, not that one, not that, that one. You know, 500 later, you're like, finally, can I get in? That was a side note, by the way. Um, so you're standing there, and then in his heat, he gets in the blocks, and the guns go off. And so what does he do? He just stands up, and he goes, you guys have a nice race. Proud of you. I hope some of you make it. 
People would look at that and go, why'd you even show up? You didn't even try. Well, there's no way I could have won. You didn't even try. Well, there's no, everybody knows I don't stand a chance. You didn't even try. You see, the potential to make no effort exists. And so Paul is admonishing us when it comes to your spiritual life, making no effort is not an option. Run in a way, compete in a way to win. There's a teenager who failed a test, and so his dad came in to talk to him. His, his dad says, uh, son, uh, saw your grade, and we need to talk about it. So like every teenage boy, the first thing he says, if you've raised a teenager, you can probably guess he says, I don't want to talk about it. Well, son, you failed, so we got to talk about it. All right. So was the test really hard? Was, was it not what you thought? Did you not cover the material? You know, can you kind of help me understand? Because I want to help you, you know, in this area of your life. I really want to help you. Was the teacher's fault? Okay. Why is it the teacher's fault? Well, she said it was going to be an easy test and everybody was going to ace it. So she said it was going to be an easy test and everybody was going to ace it. Is that all she said? Yes. Are you sure that's all she said? Like, did you study for it? Well, what she said was, if you read the chapter, everybody's going to ace it. So, son, did you read the chapter? No. Why didn't you read the chapter? Well, I figured if you read the chapter and you were going to ace it, that meant it was easy, so I could at least get a B without reading the chapter. Son, you failed that test, and it's all on you. It's all on you. This is an important principle. Is so many people live their lives following God with that attitude. And then they wonder why, man, I don't feel God moving, changing, transforming anything in my life. And the reason why, this is hard to hear, I know. I'm not trying to be offensive on purpose. Most people approach their faith trying to get a participation pro trophy instead of trying to win the race. They think, I'm just going to show up and do nothing, and that's what God is asking of me to do. And Paul says that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying we must run in a way what? To win. Your spiritual life is so critically important. And a lot of people discovered this during COVID because they realized that my lack of effort in this area of my life is totally undermined me. I have nothing to sustain me. I have no way to find courage and strength. I have nothing. No, I'm locked off from other people. I have the sense of no connection. I'm totally isolated. So many people have experienced this and realized fluff is not enough when it comes to my faith. I need to know who I am. I need to know what I believe. I need to know why I believe it. Because when things get tough, when the competition gets hard, I need to be able to say, I will sustain. I will run this race called life to win. That's why he says, run in such a way to get the prize. And the prize that you are giving great effort towards is the prize 
that exists for eternity. To know and to walk in the grace and love of God your Creator. Now the second thing he says that I think is really interesting is this. Everyone who competes goes into strict training. We do it as well. So what is he saying? Is that your spiritual growth requires structured training. It doesn't happen by accident. Now in or excuse me, athletic competitions, the challenge to win requires three things. First of all, you have to be physically in shape. Right? I watched some of the triathletes, you know, uh, that were doing their triathlete things and their competitions, and I was watching some of them, you know. And uh, this one guy, uh, he was eating some nuts, you know, afterwards, I guess for protein or something, and you could actually see the nut going down across his abs. That's a joke. But I was like, Dude, that guy has minus body fat on his body. Those people, those gals and those guys that do that are like, wow. You know, I'm going to go for a jog today. Oh, really? A nice two-mile warm-up? Oh, no, we're going to do 32 miles today. Just kind of warm up. Wow. That's just amazing to me. But you don't just need physical strength and training, right? The other thing is, is, there's a point. My father was a, a marathon runner, and he, he, I remember when I was really young and this kind of a new thing, he, uh, he was a doctor, and all of his doctor buddies were sitting around. They're always talking about, they started talking about this thing called the wall, and they're all trying to dig into the physiology of it and all this stuff. And I just remember asking my dad, I go, why do you guys talk about this thing called the wall all the time? You know, I mean, if, if you're going to hit a wall, why would you, would you run into a wall, or how does that work? I was just kind of, boy, he goes, he said something to me that I thought was kind of interesting. I kind of remember it. He goes, well, we talk about it so we know what to expect when it hits you. So it takes something else, not just physical capability. You also have to have a mental capability, right? You got to know. When you're competing, you got to know in your head what you're going to face. And then finally, you have to be emotionally strong. I mean, you have to have an emotional well of strength to compete at a really high level. I think the reason why so many people struggle with spiritual training in their lives is because we have a nemesis. And you know what our nemesis is? It's the unfairness of life. When bad things happen, things don't go well, we hit a tragedy, it becomes a for us. And emotionally, it just takes everything out of us. And so we tend to just kind of over onto the shoulder of life. We kind of just camp out there. And you see, the thing is, is that if you go into strict training spiritually, you know what you're doing? You're preparing yourself spiritually for everything that you're going to face throughout your journey with Christ. If you never expect any hard times in your journey of faith, guess what? Hard times are going to win and defeat you. If you, are not, if you are not spiritually prepared for tragedy and suffering in your life, those things can derail your faith. If you're not ready for persecution and obstacles or criticism, for standing strong for what Christ has done in your life, then those things will shipwreck you. Paul says some people have seen their faith shipwrecked because of these things. 
you must be prepared, not just physically, but spiritually you must be prepared mentally and emotionally. That requires training so that when you face those things, you say, wow, I'm, I'm not looking forward to going through this, but I have prepared myself. Because I guarantee you, life is not fair. It's going to be hard. It's filled with evil because Satan is the ruler of this world right now. Until Christ comes again in his glory, we're going to have to continually deal with the influence of this. Whether it comes from us or from somebody else, there's injustice, there's problems, there's suffering, and it's going to continue. It's going to touch life. Are you prepared? See, we go into strict training because we want to be prepared for that. Just imagine, one of the things I like to watch, I don't know if uh, maybe some of you have done this. Have you ever guys heard of uh, like the Tough Mudder or the Spartan Race or there's a, a Frogger one or Frog something? I can't remember. But um, uh, it's really interesting because what they do is instead of just, and this is, this is such a human being thing, you know, uh, uh, athletes get together and they go, yeah, you know, I've been running a race for a while, you know, and I run this race, it's tw 10 miles, you know, and it's just like, it's kind of boring. Well, let's spice it up a little bit, Okay. Let's put a giant mud pit out there, you know, and let's throw some, like, thorns and glass in there and make people swim through it. That's going to be fun. Okay, let's do that, you know. Oh, let's build this really big wall. It's so big that you can't get over it unless you collaborate with teammates, right? We have to build a human pyramid and stuff, and we'll do that, you know. And then we're going to have this other thing where we throw paint bombs at you, or we do can uh, hose cannons at you, and we do live fire ammunition over you. And what do people do? Sign me up. I can't wait. You know, I mean, those things are amazing. You watch those things. But could you imagine some guy shows up in cargo shorts, tank top and flip-flops? Yeah, here's the race today. I'm ready to go. All the other teams are going, okay, you got your shoes? You ready to run? You go, oh, I was going to run flip-flops. What? What? Well, what team are you on? I mean, uh, who are you going to partner with? You know, who you, what's your strategy to get over the wall? Wall? Is there a wall over there? I didn't know that. What's that giant mud pit? You know, are they going to kind of get us around? Oh, no, you got to go through it, man. You got to go through it. You got to climb that wall. You, you don't have a team. To, you're not going to get over the wall. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, why are you here? Well, someone said a little competition is good for the soul. So I thought everybody else would look around and say, you are a danger to yourself and everybody else, right? I don't want to be around you. Don't. Approach your faith unprepared. It's serious business. Don't ever forget, don't ever forget that Satan hates your guts. And he hates you for this reason. Because you are created in the image of God and you have the power to be a co-creator with God. That doesn't make you God. What it is is that when God creates a soul, souls aren't pre-existent. They are created in birth. Do you start to see why you're so valuable in the eyes of God? That He has invited you when you're a mom and a dad and you come together and we see this in the earliest writings of the Bible, in the Old Testament book of Genesis, he says, a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and the two will become what? Confused and annoyed with each other for that point on. 
Is that what it says? No. It says they shall become what? One flesh. So not only is it a spiritual connection, but it actually becomes what? One, a, a child. And that child is a living soul. And Satan hates that. Satan cannot create anything. And he resents God for that. And he resents you for being able to be a part of that. And guess what? He, don't ever forget, he will do everything in his bag of tricks to derail your life. We are competing for a prize. We are running to win that lasts for an eternity. So take it seriously. The third thing he says is this that I think is really interesting. Everyone who competes, let's go to number uh, three if we can get that up there real quick, is I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Now, if you want to go into strict training uh, and you want to run the race, you have to realize is that every race has a principle, it has a guideline that defines the race in the same way life has principles and guidelines that define it. There are gravitational forces that you can't get around. Parenting is all about teaching kids from a very young age into adulthood that there's certain things about life. Like when you go to a play date and all the kids are playing with all these toys, you know, the two-year-old, there's always one two-year-old or maybe a couple that always go over there and say, you know, the ball, it's what? Mine. And then the kids play, they, then they go over there to go, no, the, the truck is mine. And the, the, the doll is mine, you know. And pretty soon they're like this. And they're trying to defend all of their stuff. And, and so what do moms do, you know? Moms sit around and go, oh, isn't that nice? We have an alpha child that's going to rule the world, you know. We need, hey, honey, go over there and get that other stuff those kids are playing with. Don't let them touch it, man. Do whatever you need to do because you're going to be a winner, okay? That's not what... Parents don't do that, do they? They say to their kids, they say, what? You need to learn to what? Share. Why do you teach your little two-year-old that? Because that attitude doesn't work in a corporate board meeting when you're with your team trying to get stuff done, right? Could you imagine working with a guy like that? He walks in the room, sits down, and says, the boss comes in and says, hey, we need to come up with a strategy. We got to have this obstacle. We got to get around it, da da da. And this kid guy walks in. He goes, first of all, all the pens are mine. <laughs> Give me that pen. Give me that pen. Oh, is that your nice little leather folio? I want that. It's mine. How far would that go? I mean, we laugh and we say it's so silly, but guess what? We approach so many things spiritually that way. If you don't you, you cannot run to win if you don't know what the spiritual guidelines and the spiritual principles are. So Paul is encouraging us to take them seriously and to learn them. And that's the point of what church is about. Uh, people pick churches for all different reasons. So if you just moved here, you're picking a church, you know, I'd like to offer you some um, ideas to consider in your search. And that is, is that if you want good jokes in a church, Foothills is not your place because most of my jokes aren't very good. Every once in a while, I'll tell a good one and people will laugh and they'll like applaud. You know, they'll applaud because they're like, wow, he's working on it and getting better. Um, but really, in all truth, is that sometimes we pick a church 
based on how it makes us feel, especially when we moved. You know, I don't know why, it just felt right. Well, that's not a good way to pick a new church, okay? Because you're not thinking through the point and purpose of church. Now, some people come, um, pick a church because they go, I need to go for my weekly dosage of guilt and shame. And I need to get someone who will just tell me how bad I'm doing and how terrible I am. Because that's what I remember as a kid. Guess what? Don't pick a church based on feel. You should pick a church based on what Jesus wants to do in you for that period and chapter of your life so that you are ensconced in being trained and equipped for the ministry that He has called you to do. That's the best guideline to use as you are looking and searching. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. It's about what He wants to do in you and through you. And that's the point of church. So search well and choose well. The last thing he says in this passage that I think is really, really important is this, and so confusing because people are like, wow, this sounds kind of crazy. He goes, I give blows to my body and I make it my slave. Now, why would he say that? Is Paul into self-abasement? Is he trying to say, oh, I just want to put it down? Or is he trying to say something else? Well, remember, we're in this athletic mindset about competing, right? One of the things that athletes have to do that perform at a really, really high level, whether they're swimmers or they're long-distance runners or whatever sport they're competing in, is they have to train themselves not to listen to their bodies at times. Because when you're running long distance, what does your body say at some point? I don't know about you, but when I'm running long distance, like 10 or 20 feet, um, I get halfway into it. You know what my body says to me? Uh-uh, uh-uh. We just don't do that no more. You know? So, so if you're at a high level at some point, and what he's saying is that I have to teach myself that my body doesn't tell me, I tell my body. Now, why is that such an important biblical principle? Because today in our society, it's the other way around. Your body tells you what's true. Your body tells you who you are. And your body describes your identity. And so you better listen to your body. This has been a philosophy that's been around a long time. It was proposed by uh, Jacques Rousseau in uh, the 16th, 17th century. He was a French philosopher. Basically what he said is that you and your body are pure. You're authentic. So what's inside of you is authentic. And the problems that you have in life, all of your struggles, all of your obstacles, all of your inauthentic self comes from society. Society. So it's society's fault. And the reason that you didn't pass that test is because your teacher did it to you. And that's the way that our society has adopted this mentality. Paul's saying the exact opposite. He's saying, without a shadow of a doubt, I give blows to my body. I train it so that I'm in charge of it and it is not in charge of me. You know? We know this to be true at every level of our lives. We know that our bodies are not always to be trusted. We can't always trust our bodies when it comes to what we want to eat. My, my dad, he uh, gave me something that, uh, that's really interesting, but he gave me a craving for something called Bronzwagger. Now, Pastor Harv knows exactly what that is because he's German. 
But what it is, is it is, it's a liver pate, okay? And most people smell it. My wife smelled it one time, and she said, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever smelled in my life. And I'm going, you have no idea how good this tastes spread on a little piece of cracker. I go, but the problem, though, is that you know what Bronzwagger does? You take a bite of that stuff, and your blood pressure goes up 100 points in the blink of an eye. You know why? Because there is more salt in Bronzwagger than there is in salt. <laughs> I mean, it is just so bad for you. It's so terrible for you. But, man, I don't know why. You take a bite of that stuff, it just lights you up. It's awesome. You know, there's other people. I'm not this way, but I know other people that it's like, I want sriracha on a habanero pepper with everything else. They want to bite into that, you know, and there's smoke coming out of their ears. And you're going, how, how do you do that? Not everything your body wants is what? Good for you. So why do we do that sexually? Why do we act that way when it comes to sex in our society? Your, your sexual desire, your sexual uh, proclivities... They define who you are, and they're 100% correct every single time. That's what our society teaches. Why? Well, because they bought into this philosophy of the French philosopher Jacques Rousseau, and Satan has used it to destroy and hurt more people than you could ever imagine. People are so confused about this. And Paul says, look, being confused... It is not where God wants you. He wants you to know who you are, who you are in Him, His design for your life, what, what the joy and passion it is for training for this race to win. So in the end, remember, when it comes to your body, choosing who to believe is one of the most important choices you will ever make. Will I choose to believe what my body's telling me or will I choose to believe what God is telling me? So if you run a run to win, I just want to encourage you to know where you're going. What direction is God taking you? The Bible says he's trying to mold you into the image of Jesus Christ. So when someone says, well, why are you a Christian or why are you following Jesus? What direction are you going in life? You just simply say, well, he's molding me in the shape of Jesus. And let me tell you, he's got a lot of work to do when it comes to me. You see, know where you're going. Number two, train. Find a place, a small group, a discipleship group, a prayer group, a group of friends, a group of, uh, of uh, couples uh, that have kids the same age. Maybe you're uh, empty nesters. Maybe you're single and you have married couples and single people together. It doesn't really matter. Find people that are in a small group, discipleship group, that allow you to be equipped to grow and win in this race. And then persevere. Don't give up. You have to persevere in all things. And then be thankful. Let's just be thankful people, gracious people that say, you know what, I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be everything, but I want to run to win. I want to compete to win. I want to challenge myself because I'm not trying to win a race spiritually against that person over there or the elder or the pastor or the uh, BSF leader. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to run the race to win against myself, to become the person that Christ has called me to be. Run. Run to win.
Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.